Book One of the Nicomachean Ethics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. The Nicomachean Ethics by Aristotle. Translated by Thomas Taylor. Book One. Chapter One every art and every method and in like manner every action and deliberate choice appear to aspire after a certain good hence it is well said that the good is that which all things desire of ends however there appears to be a certain difference for some of them are energies but others of them besides these are certain works but in those things in which there are certain ends besides the actions in these the works are naturally adapted to be better than the energies since however there are many actions and arts and sciences there will also be many ends for the end of medicine is health of the shipbuilding art a ship of the military art victory and of the economic art wealth but such arts as are of this kind are arranged under one certain power just as the bridal making art is arranged under the equestrian art and such other arts as pertain to equestrian instruments both this art however and every warlike action are arranged under the military art and after the same manner other arts are arranged under other powers but in all these the ends of those arts which are architectonic or master arts are more eligible than all the ends of the arts which are subordinate to the master arts for the latter are pursued for the sake of the former it makes however no difference whether the energies themselves are the ends of actions or something else besides these in the same manner as in the above-mentioned sciences chapter two if therefore there is a certain end of actions which we wish to obtain for its own sake but we desire other things on account of this and our choice is not directed to all things for the sake of something else bracket, for thus there would be a progression to infinity so that appetite would be empty and vain close bracket. if this be the case it is evident that this end will be the good and to that which is the most excellent will not therefore the knowledge of this end be of great importance with respect to life for by having like archers a mark at which we may aim we shall obtain what is fit in a greater degree if this however be the case we must endeavour to adumbrate what it is and show to what science or power it belongs but it would seem that it belongs to that power which is the most principal and is especially architectonic and the political power or science appears to be a thing of this kind for this ordains what sciences ought to be instituted in cities and which of them ought to be learnt by the several individuals and to what extent we likewise see that the most honourable of the powers or faculties are arranged under this power as for instance the military the economical and the rhetorical powers since however the remaining practical sciences use this political science 
and since it also legally establishes what ought to be done and from what it is required to abstain the end of this science will comprehend in itself the ends of the other sciences so that this will be human good itself for though the good of an individual and a city is the same yet to obtain and preserve the good of a city appears to be something greater and more perfect for we must be satisfied indeed if we can effect the good of an individual alone but it is more beautiful and divine to effect the good of a nation and cities these are the things therefore which the method being political requires chapter three it will however be discussed sufficiently if it is rendered perspicuous according to its subject matter for accuracy must not be similarly investigated in all discussions as neither in all the works of art things beautiful however and just with which the political science is conversant possess so great a difference and are involved in so much ambiguity that to some persons their subsistence appears to be from law only and not from nature what is good likewise possesses a certain ambiguity of this kind because it happens that many persons are injured by it for some have perished through wealth but others through fortitude we must be satisfied therefore in speaking about and from such things if we can indicate the truth by a rude adumbration and if our conclusions in discussing things which have a frequency of subsistence are similar in accuracy to the things themselves after the same manner likewise it is requisite to admit every thing that has been said for it is the province of an erudite man so far to investigate the accurate in each genus of things as the nature of the thing will admit since it appears to be a similar thing to assent to a mathematician when speaking probably and to require demonstrations from a rhetorician every one however judges well of those things which he knows and of these is a good judge hence the man who is learned in anything judges well of that thing but he in short forms a proper judgment about everything who is learned in everything hence a youth is not a proper auditor of the political science for he is unskilled in the actions pertaining to life but reasonings are from and about these and besides this if he yields to his passions he will in vain and without any advantage be an auditor of ethical doctrines since the end here is not knowledge but action it makes however no difference whether a person is a youth as to his age or has juvenile manners for the defect is not from time but from living and engaging in every pursuit from passion since the knowledge of such persons in the same manner as that of intemperate is useless but a knowledge of these things will be very advantageous to those whose appetites and actions are conformable to reason and thus much by way of preface concerning the auditor of ethics how he ought to admit discussions of this kind and what we propose to consider in this treatise chapter four repeating therefore what we have said since all knowledge and deliberate choice aspires after a certain good let us show what that is which we say the political science desires and what the supreme good is of all actions by name therefore it is nearly acknowledged by most men for both the vulgar and the learned call it felicity 
but they conceive that to live well and to act well are the same thing as to be happy concerning felicity however what it is they are dubious and the multitude do not form the same opinion of it as the wise for some of them indeed conceive it to rank among the number of things which are clear and evident such as pleasure or wealth or honour but others assert it to be something else frequently likewise the same person forms a different opinion of it for when diseased he conceives it to be health but when poor riches and those who are conscious of their ignorance admire those who assert something grand and above their comprehension some too besides these many goods are of opinion that there is another good subsisting by itself which is the cause to all these of their being good to examine therefore all the opinions would perhaps be a vain undertaking but it will be sufficient to consider those that are most eminent or which appear to be in some respect reasonable we must not however be ignorant that arguments from principles and to principles differ from each other for plato well doubts about and investigates this whether the way is from principles or to principles as in a race from the president of the games to the goal or the contrary for we must begin from things that are known but these subsist in a twofold respect for some things are known to us but others are simply known perhaps therefore we should begin from things known to us hence it is necessary that the auditor of discussions about things beautiful and just and in short about political concerns if he is to be benefited should be adorned with worthy manners for the principle is this that the thing is so viz that certain actions are worthy and others are unworthy and if this is sufficiently apparent it is not at all requisite to know why it is so but such a one either possesses or will easily acquire ethical principles let him however who has neither of these hear what hesiod says he the first rank of excellence maintains who from himself in everything is wise and what even to the end is best foresees he too is good who yields to wise advice but he who neither from himself is wise nor to assent to others can endure is but a useless despicable man chapter five let us however return from whence we have digressed for it seems that men do not unreasonably form an opinion of good and felicity from the different kinds of lives the vulgar indeed and the most worthless part of mankind place felicity in pleasure and on this account they embrace the life which consists in the enjoyment of pleasure for there are three kinds of lives which especially take the lead the one we have just mentioned the political life and the third is the contemplative life the multitude therefore appear to be perfectly servile deliberately choosing the life of cattle and they support their opinion by the example of many persons in power who have preferred a voluptuous life and have lived like sardanapolis but men of elegant minds and those who are addicted to practical concerns place felicity in honour for this is nearly the end of the political life this however appears to be more superficial than the good which is the object of our investigation for honour seems to be rather in the persons that honour than in him who is honoured but we prophesy that good is something appropriate 
and of which it is difficult to deprive its possessor farther still it seems that men pursue honour in order that they may believe themselves to be worthy persons they seek therefore to be honoured by wise men and by those to whom they are known and with a view to virtue it is evident therefore that according to these men virtue is more excellent than honour perhaps however some one may apprehend that this virtue is rather the end of the political life but even this appears to be more imperfect than the chief good ought to be for it appears to be possible that he who possesses virtue may sleep or be unemployed through the whole of his life and besides this may be afflicted with evils and experience the greatest misfortunes but no one would proclaim a man thus living to be happy unless for the purpose of defending his position and concerning these things indeed enough for we have spoken sufficiently about them in our miscellaneous writings but the third life is the contemplative which we shall make the object of our consideration hereafter the life however which is engaged in the acquisition of riches is a certain violent life and it is evident that wealth is not the good which we investigate for wealth is useful and for the sake of something else hence the things which have been before mentioned may be considered as ends rather than wealth for they are loved on their own account it appears however that neither does felicity consist in these though many arguments are adduced to prove that it does these things therefore we shall dismiss chapter six perhaps however it is better to consider universal good and inquire how it is said to subsist though such an inquiry as this will be arduous because the men who have introduced ideas are our friends but it may perhaps seem to be better and indeed necessary to the salvation of truth to subvert the opinions even of our friends for both being our friends i e plato and truth it is wholly to give the preference to truth those however who have introduced this opinion do not make ideas of things in which they admit there are the prior and the posterior hence neither do they establish an idea of numbers but good is predicated of essence of quality and of relation that however which has a subsistence per se and essence are naturally prior to that which subsists as a relative for this i e a relative resembles the branch of a tree and an accident of being so that there will not be a common idea in these again good is predicated in as many ways as being for it is predicated in essence as god and intellect which are essences and are said to be good and in quality as the virtues in quantity as the moderate in relation as utility in time as occasion and in place as a habitation and after the same manner in the other predicaments it is evident therefore that there will not be a certain common universal and one good for it would not be predicated in all the categories but in one alone farther still since of all things which subsist according to one idea there is also one science of all goods there would be one certain science but now there are many sciences of things which are under one category thus for instance with occasion the art of commanding an army is conversant in war but the medical art in disease 
and with the moderate indeed the medical art is conversant in food but the gymnastic art in labour it may however be doubted what their intention is in denominating every idea itself since in man itself and in man there is one and the same definition of man for so far as man there is no difference between them but if this be the case neither so far as good will be good itself and goods differ nor will it be in a greater degree good from being eternal since neither is that which is white for a long time more white than that which is white only for one day the pythagoreans however appear to speak more probably concerning the good for they place the one in the coordination of things good whom Spusippus also seems to have followed but the discussion of these things pertains to another treatise a certain doubt however presents itself concerning the particulars we have just mentioned because reasons are not assigned concerning every good but things which are of themselves the objects of pursuit and love are predicated according to one species and those things which are effective of these or in a certain respect preserve them or impede their contraries are predicated on account of these and after another manner it is evident therefore that goods may be predicated in two ways and that some things indeed are good per se but others are good on account of these separating therefore goods per se from things useful let us consider whether they are predicated according to one idea but what kind of goods can be said to be good per se are they such as are pursued alone apart from other things such as to be wise to see and some pleasures and honours for these though we pursue them on account of something else yet at the same time may be ranked by some one among goods which are good per se or is the good per se nothing else except idea form therefore or idea will be vain but if these also rank among goods which are good per se it will be requisite that the same definition of the good should be conspicuous in all of them just as there is the same definition of whiteness in snow and cirrus but of honour and prudence and pleasure there will be other and different definitions so far as they are goods the good therefore is not something common according to one idea in what manner however is it said that there is one idea of the good for it does not resemble things which are fortuitously homonymous is it because all goods are from one and are referred to one good or is it rather according to analogy for as sight is in the body so is intellect in the soul and another thing in another perhaps however these things must be omitted at present for the accurate discussion of them will be better adapted to another philosophy and in a similar manner concerning idea for even if there is some one good which is predicated in common or which is something itself separate by itself it is evident that it can neither be practicable nor acquired by man but now that which is practicable by man and which he may obtain is the object of investigation perhaps however the knowledge of this separate good may to some one appear to be better with respect to those goods which may be acquired and which are practicable 
For having this as an exemplar, we may in a greater degree know those things which are good for us, and by knowing may more easily obtain them. This assertion, therefore, has indeed a certain probability, but it seems to be dissonant to the sciences, for all the sciences aspire after a certain good, and investigate that which is wanting, omitting the knowledge of it, though it is not reasonable to suppose that all artists are ignorant of, and do not search for an aid of such great importance. It is likewise dubious what advantage a weaver or a carpenter would derive to their arts from the knowledge of the good itself, or how he who surveys the idea of the good will become more skilled in medicine or in commanding an army. For it appears that the physician does not in this way consider health, but that he considers the health of man, and perhaps rather the health of this particular man, for he restores to health an individual, and thus much concerning these things. Chapter 7 Now, however, let us return to the investigated good, and show what it is. For it appears that there is a different good in a different action and art, since there is one good in the medical art, another in the art of commanding an army, and in a similar manner in the remaining arts. What, therefore, is the good of each? Is it not that for the sake of which other things are affected by that art? But this in the medical art indeed is health, in the art of commanding an army is victory, in the art of building a house is a house, and something else in another art, and in every action and deliberate choice it is the end, since all of them perform other things for the sake of this. Hence, if there is one certain end of all actions, this will be the practical good. But if there are many ends, these will be practical goods. The reasoning, however, in its transition arrives at the same thing, as was asserted by us in the beginning. But we must endeavour to render this still more clear, because, therefore, it appears that there are many ends, and of these we choose some on account of others, such as wealth, flutes, and in short instruments, it is evident that all ends are not perfect. That, however, which is most excellent, appears to be something perfect, so that if there is only one certain perfect end, this will be what we investigate, but if there are many, it will be the most perfect of these. We denominate, however, that which is pursuable for its own sake, more perfect than that which is pursuable for the sake of something else, and that which is never eligible on account of another thing, than things which are eligible both on their own account and for the sake of something else. In short, the completely perfect is that which is always eligible on its own account, and never on account of something else. Felicity, however, especially appears to be a thing of this kind, for we always choose this on its own account, and never on account of anything else. But we choose honour, and pleasure, intellect, and every virtue on their own account. Indeed, bracket, for though we should derive no farther advantage than what the possession of them affords, yet each of them would be the object of our choice. Close bracket. Yet, we also choose them for the sake of felicity. No one, however, chooses felicity for the sake of these, nor, in short, for the sake of anything else. The same thing also appears to happen 
from that which enables a man to be sufficient to himself for perfect good appears to be self-sufficient but we call the self-sufficient that which is not only sufficient to him who lives a solitary life but which is also sufficient to parents and children to a wife and in short to friends and fellow-citizens since man is naturally a political animal a certain boundary however must be assumed of these things for if good is to be extended to parents and their offspring and to the friends of friends there will be a procession to infinity but this indeed we shall consider hereafter we call however the self-sufficient that which subsisting by itself alone makes life eligible and in want of nothing but we think that felicity is a thing of this kind and besides this we think that it is the most eligible of all things and is not conumerated with any other good for if it were conumerated with even the smallest good it is evident that it would be more eligible since that which is added would become an excess of good but a greater good is always more eligible felicity therefore appears to be something perfect and sufficient to itself being the end of actions perhaps however to say that felicity is the best of things is to assert that which is acknowledged by all men but it is requisite that we should yet more clearly say what it is perhaps therefore this will be effected if the work of man is assumed for as to the player on the flute to the statuary and to every artist and in short to those who have a certain work and action the good and the excellent appear to be in the work this also may appear to be the case with man if he has a certain work whether therefore are there certain works and actions indeed of a carpenter and a shoemaker but of man is there no work and is he naturally indolent or shall we say that as of the eye the hand and the foot and in short of each of the parts of the body there appears to be a certain work so likewise of man shall we admit that besides all these there is a certain work what then will this work be for to live appears to be common also to plants as well as to men but the peculiar work of man is now investigated the nutritive and augmentative life therefore must be rejected and a certain sensitive life will be consequent to this it appears however that this also is common to a horse and an ox and to every animal a certain practic life therefore accompanied with reason remains but of this one kind is obedient to reason but the other possesses reason and energizes discursively since this life however is predicated in a twofold respect i e according to energy and according to habit it must be admitted to subsist according to energy for this appears to be predicated according to a more principal mode of subsistence but if the work of man is the energy of soul according to reason or not without reason and we say that the same thing is the work of the human species and of a worthy man just as the same thing is the work of a harper and of a good harper and in short this is the case in all things excellence according to virtue being added to the work for the work of a harper is to play on the harp and of a good harper to play well on it if this be the case and we admit the work of man to be a certain life 
and this to be the energy of the soul, and actions in conjunction with reason, but by a worthy man these things are well and beautifully performed, and everything is well accomplished according to its proper virtue. If this be the case, human good will be the energy of soul according to virtue. But if there are many virtues, it will be the energy of soul according to the best and most perfect virtue, and besides this, in a perfect life. For as one swallow does not make spring, nor one day, so neither does one day, nor a little time, make a man blessed and happy. Let this, therefore, be a description of the good. For it is necessary, perhaps, as in a picture, first to delineate and afterwards add the colours, but it would seem that any one may be able to adduce and distinctly arrange things which are well delineated, and that time is the inventor of, or a good co-operator with, things of this kind. Whence, also, accessions are made to the arts, for any one may add to what is wanting. It is also requisite to call to mind what has been before said, and not to search for accuracy similarly in all things but investigate it in each according to the subject matter and so far as is appropriate to the method pertaining to the inquiry for a carpenter and a geometrician investigate a right angle differently the former indeed so far as is useful to his work but the latter explores what it is or what the quality is which it possesses for he is a contemplator of truth after the same manner, therefore, we must proceed in other things, lest what is superfluous should become more abundant than the works themselves. Neither must the cause be required similarly in all things, but in some, as, for instance, concerning principles, it is sufficient to have shown properly that they are. But the subsistence of a thing is the first thing and the principle. Of principles, however, some are surveyed by induction, others by sense, others from a certain custom, and others in a different way. But we should endeavour to discuss everything so far as its nature permits, and should earnestly apply ourselves to define well, for this is of great importance with respect to what is consequent. The principle, therefore, appears to be more than half of the whole and many of the things which are objects of inquiry become manifest through it. Chapter 8 Felicity, therefore, must be considered by us, not only from the conclusion and the particulars from which its definition consists, but also from the assertions of others concerning it. For everything which is inherent in a thing accords with the truth, but what is true is rapidly dissonant with what is false. Since goods, therefore, have a twofold distribution, and some of them are said to be external, but others pertain to the soul and the body, we call those pertaining to the soul the most proper and principal goods, but we place the physical actions and energies about the soul. Hence it is well said, according to this opinion, which is ancient, and assented to by those who philosophize, that felicity is the energy of the soul according to virtue. It is also rightly said that certain actions and energies constitute the end, i.e. felicity. For thus felicity will consist in the goods pertaining to the soul, and not in external goods. With this reasoning, likewise, the assertions accord that the happy man lives well, and acts well. 
for nearly felicity will be a certain living well and acting well it appears moreover that everything which is sought for in felicity is inherent in the definition we have given it for to some indeed felicity appears to be virtue to others prudence and to others a certain wisdom but to others it appears to be these things or some one of them accompanied with pleasure or not without pleasure others also comprehend in the definition of felicity external affluence but of these opinions some are supported by the authority of many and ancient men and others by a few and renowned men it is not however reasonable to suppose that either of these have wholly erred but that they have erred in some one particular and are right in most things with those therefore who say that felicity is every virtue or a certain virtue our assertion accords for it is the energy of the soul according to virtue perhaps however it differs in no small degree to conceive that what is most excellent consists in possession or to conceive that it consists in use and that it consists in habit or in energy for it is possible that habit when inherent may be effective of no good as in him who is asleep or who in some other way is inactive but this cannot be the case with energy for he who possesses virtue in energy necessarily acts and acts well but as in the olympic games not the most beautiful and the strongest are crowned but those who contend for some of these are victorious so those who act rightly obtain those things in life which are beautiful and good the life also of these is in itself delectable independent of external pleasure for to be delighted is among the number of things pertaining to the soul but to every one that is delightful of which he is said to be a lover as a horse to a lover of horses and a spectacle to a lover of spectacles after the same manner also just things are delightful to a lover of justice and in short what pertains to virtue to a lover of virtue things therefore delectable to the multitude are hostile to each other because they are not naturally delightful but to the lovers of what is beautiful in conduct those things are delectable which are delectable by nature and such are the actions according to virtue so that they are delectable to these and are so per se the life also of these is not at all in want of pleasure as a certain appendage but contains pleasure in itself for in addition to what has been said he is not a good man who does not rejoice in beautiful actions for neither would any one call him just who does not rejoice in acting justly nor him liberal who does not rejoice in liberal actions and in a similar manner in the other virtues if this however be the case actions according to virtue will be of themselves delectable but they are also good and beautiful and especially each of these if the worthy man judges well concerning them but he judges in the way we have said felicity therefore is a thing most excellent most beautiful and most delectable nor are these to be separated from each other according to the delian inscription quote, that which is most just is most beautiful but to be well is the best of things and for a man to obtain the object of his love is the most delectable of things for all these are inherent in the best energies but we say that felicity 
is all these, or one of them, and that the most excellent. At the same time, however, it appears, as we have said, that external goods are requisite to felicity, for it is impossible or not easy to perform beautiful actions without the assistance of externals, since many things are indeed performed, as it were, through instruments, by means of friends, and wealth, and political power. The privation also of some things, such as nobility, a good offspring, and beauty, defile a blessed condition of being. For he cannot be entirely happy, who is very deformed in his body, or of ignoble birth, or who leads a solitary life, and is deprived of children. And perhaps he can in a still less degree be entirely happy, if his children are very vicious, or, being good, die. As we have said, therefore, a completely happy life requires such a prosperity as this, whence also some arrange prosperity, but others virtue, in the same place with felicity. Chapter 9 Hence also it is doubted whether felicity is a thing which may be acquired by discipline, or custom, or in some other way by exercise, or whether it accedes by a certain divine allotment, or from fortune. If, therefore, any other thing is the gift of the gods to men, it is reasonable to suppose that felicity also is the gift of divinity, and especially because it is the best of human concerns. This, however, will perhaps be more adapted to another discussion. But it appears that though it should not be sent by divinity to men, but is procured through virtue, and a certain discipline, or exercise, it belongs to the most divine of things. For the reward and end of virtue appears to be most excellent, and something divine and blessed. Felicity also will be a thing very common, for it is able to be present, through a certain discipline and attention to all men who are not mutilated with respect to virtue but if it is better that felicity should be acquired after this manner rather than from fortune it is reasonable that it should be so acquired since natural productions subsist in such a way as it is most beautiful for them to subsist and in a similar manner things which are produced by art or by any other cause and especially such as are produced by the most excellent cause. To commit, however, the greatest and most beautiful of things to fortune, would be very lawless and reprehensible. The object of investigation, likewise, is apparent from the definition of felicity. For we have said that it is a certain energy of the soul, according to virtue. But of the remaining goods, some indeed are present from necessity, but others cooperate and are naturally adapted to be useful organically. These things also will accord with what we have said in the beginning. For we established the end of the political science as the best end. But this pays the greatest attention to the citizens, in order to render them characters of a certain description, and that they may be good men and practicers of beautiful actions. Reasonably, therefore, do we neither call an ox, nor a horse, nor any other irrational animal happy, for it is not possible that any one of them can partake of such energy as this. Through this cause, likewise, neither is a child happy, for he is not yet, on account of his age, a practiser of things of this kind. 
but those children who are said to be happy are proclaimed to be blessed through hope that when they become men they will obtain the rational energy in perfection for felicity as we have said requires perfect virtue and a perfect life for many mutations and all various fortunes happen in life and it is possible that he whose affairs are in the most prosperous condition may in old age fall into the greatest calamities as in heroic poems it is fabled concerning priam but no one would call him happy who experiences such misfortunes and who dies miserably chapter ten shall we say therefore that no other man is to be proclaimed happy as long as he lives but that according to solon it is requisite to look at the end of life if however we admit this is a man therefore then happy when he dies or is this perfectly absurd especially to those who say as we do that felicity is a certain energy but if neither we call him who is dead happy nor was this the intention of solon but his meaning is that a man may be securely proclaimed blessed as being now out of the reach of evils and misfortunes even this also is attended with a certain doubt for there appears to be a certain good and evil to him who is dead if there is also to him who is alive but without sensation such as honour and ignominy and in short the prosperity and adversity of his descendants this however also presents us with a difficulty for it is possible that to the offspring of him who has lived to old age blessedly and has died rationally many mutations may happen and that some of them may be good and may obtain a life according to their desert but that the contrary may take place with others it is likewise evident that there may be an all various apostasy in them from the manners of their parents it would therefore be absurd if he who is dead should also be changed together with them and should at one time become happy and again miserable it is likewise absurd that the affairs of descendants should not for a certain time be of any consequence whatever to parents let us however return to the former subject of doubt for perhaps that which is now investigated may be surveyed from it if therefore it is necessary to look to the end of life and then to proclaim each man blessed not as being now blessed but because he was so before is it not absurd when he is happy i e while he is living that what is present with him i e felicity should not be asserted of him with truth because we are unwilling to proclaim the living happy on account of the mutations of life and because we apprehend felicity to be something stable and by no means easily to be changed but fortunes frequently circulate about the same persons for it is evident if we should follow fortune we must frequently call the same man happy and again miserable thus evincing the happy man to be like the chameleon and possessing an infirm stability or shall we say that it is indeed by no means right to follow fortune for living well or ill is not among the gifts of fortune but human life as we have said requires the goods of fortune the energies however according to virtue are the mistresses of felicity but the contrary energies are the mistresses of the contrary that also which is now the subject of doubt bears testimony to our assertion 
for in no human affair is there so much stability as in the energies according to virtue since they appear to be more stable than even the sciences themselves and of these very energies those that are most honourable are also most stable because blessed men principally and most assiduously live in these for this appears to be the cause that oblivion does not happen concerning them the object of investigation therefore is present with the happy man and he will be such through life for always or the most of all men he will perform and contemplate things pertaining to virtue will bear the changes of fortune most beautifully and in the most perfectly elegant manner as being truly good and a square without blame since however many things happen from fortune and which differ in magnitude and parvitude it is evident that prosperous and in a similar manner adverse circumstances when they are small are of no consequence to the life of man but that such as are great and numerous if they are indeed prosperous render life more blessed for they are also naturally adapted to adorn life and the use of them is beautiful and good and that on the contrary if they are adverse they oppress and injure beatitude for they bring with them molestation and are an impediment to many energies at the same time however even in these the beauty of good conduct shines forth when a man bears many and great misfortunes easily not through an insensibility of pain but in consequence of being generous and magnanimous but if energies are the mistresses of life as we have said no one who is blessed will become miserable since he will never do anything that is odious and base for we are of opinion that the man who is truly good and wise will bear all fortunes in a becoming manner and from existing circumstances will always perform the most beautiful deeds just as a good general will use the army under his command in the most warlike manner and a shoemaker from the leather with which he is supplied will make the most beautiful shoes and the same thing will take place with all other artists if this however be the case the happy man will never become miserable nor yet if he should fall into the calamities of priam will he be blessed nor again is he various and easily changed for he is not easily moved from felicity nor by any casual misfortunes but by such as are great and numerous and after such calamities as these he will not again become happy in a short time but if he does recover his felicity it will be in a certain long and perfect time in which he will become a partaker of things of a great and beautiful nature what then prevents us from calling the man happy who energizes according to perfect virtue and who is sufficiently supplied with external goods not for any casual time but through a perfect life or ought we to add that he must also thus live and die conformably to nature since the future is unapparent to us and we admit that felicity is an end and entirely and in every respect perfect but if this be the case we must call those among the living blessed to whom the particulars we have mentioned are and have been present but we must denominate them blessed as men and thus much concerning these things chapter eleven that the good or bad fortune 
however of descendants and of all friends should contribute nothing to the happy man appears to be a thing very unfriendly and contrary to the opinions of mankind but since many things happen and which possess an all various difference and some of them pertain to us in a greater but others in a less degree to discuss them severally appears to be a long and an infinite undertaking it will therefore perhaps be sufficient to speak of them universally and to adumbrate what they are as of the calamitous circumstances then which happen to the happy man some have a certain weight and are of importance in life this is likewise the case with respect to all his friends it makes a difference however whether each of the calamities happens to the living or the dead and the difference is much greater than whether the illegal and dreadful deeds which are the subject of tragedy have been formerly perpetrated or are perpetrated now in this way therefore the difference may also be collected perhaps however it ought rather to be doubted concerning the dead whether they partake of any good or ill for it appears from these things that though something should arrive to them whatever it may be whether good or the contrary it is something debile and small either in its own nature or to them but if it should possess a certain power yet it cannot be so great or of such a kind as to make those happy who are not so or to deprive those of blessedness who are the prosperity therefore and in a similar manner the adversity of friends appears to contribute something to the dead yet with respect to them they are of so little consequence as neither to make those that are happy unhappy nor affect anything else of the like kind chapter twelve these things being discussed let us consider with respect to felicity whether it is among the number of things laudable or rather of things honourable for it is evident that it does not consist in power it seems therefore that everything which is laudable is praised because it possesses a certain quality and is in a certain respect referred to something for we praise the just and the brave man and in short the good man and also virtue on account of works and actions we likewise praise the strong man and the racer because they are naturally adapted to possess certain qualities and have reference in a certain respect to something good and worthy but this also is evident from the praises which pertain to the gods for they appear to be ridiculous when referred to us this however happens as we have said because praise subsists from relation but if praise is given to things of this kind it is evident that no praise can be given to the most excellent things but something greater and better pertains to them as also appears to be the case for we proclaim the gods to be blessed and happy and we also proclaim the most divine of men to be blessed and in a similar manner we celebrate what is good for no one praises felicity in the same way as he does justice but he proclaims it to be blessed as something more divine and excellent than justice eudoxus likewise in his defence of pleasure appears to have given it the palm of victory in a proper manner for in consequence of its not being praised as being among the number of good things he considers this an indication that it was more excellent than things that are laudable 
but god and the good are things of this kind for other things also are referred to these for praise indeed is given to virtue since from this we are enabled to perform beautiful deeds encomiums however pertain to deeds and in a similar manner to bodies and souls the accurate discussion however of these things is perhaps more adapted to a treatise on encomiums but to us it is evident from what has been said that felicity is among the number of things honourable and perfect it seems likewise that it is so because it is a principle for we all of us do everything else for the sake of this but we admit that the principle and the cause of what is good is something honourable and divine chapter thirteen since however felicity is a certain energy of the soul according to perfect virtue we must direct our attentions to virtue for perhaps we shall thus also speculate better concerning felicity but it seems that he who is skilled in the administration of public affairs labours especially about this for he wishes to make the citizens worthy persons and obedient to the laws and as an example of these we have the legislators of the cretans and the lacedaemonians and any others there may have been of this kind if however the speculation itself is of the political science it is evident that the inquiry will be conformable to our intention from the beginning but our discussion must be concerning virtue viz human virtue for we investigate human good and human felicity and we call human virtue not the virtue of the body but of the soul and we say that felicity is the energy of the soul if however this be the case it is evident that he who is skilled in the administration of public affairs ought to know whatever pertains to the soul just as he who intends to cure the eyes ought to have a knowledge of the whole body and this in a greater degree by how much more honourable and excellent the political is than the medical science of physicians likewise the more elegant are busily employed about their knowledge of the body he therefore who is skilled in the administration of public affairs must direct his attention to the soul but he must direct his attention to it for the sake of these things and so far as is sufficient to the objects of inquiry for to consider the soul still more accurately is perhaps more laborious and difficult than the present discussion requires we have also said some things sufficiently concerning it in our popular writings and those who must be consulted such as that one part of the soul is irrational but another rational but whether these parts are separated in the same manner as the parts of the body and everything which is partible or they are two parts in definition alone and are naturally inseparable as in the periphery of a circle the convex and the concave is of no consequence in the present discussion of the irrational part however one part resembles the common and vegetative power i mean the power which is the cause of nutrition and increase for such a power as this may be admitted to exist in everything that is nourished in embryos and also in perfect animals since it is more reasonable that this power should exist in them than any other the virtue therefore of this power appears to be common and not human for this part seems especially to energize in sleep but a good man and a bad man can in the smallest degree be distinguished in sleep 
whence it is said that the happy differ in no respect from the miserable during the half of life but this happens reasonably for sleep is an inactivity both of the worthy and the depraved soul except so far as certain motions gradually arrive at the soul and on this account the phantasms of worthy are better than those of worthless men but of these things enough the nutritive part therefore must be omitted since it is naturally destitute of human virtue there appears however to be another certain irrational nature of the soul which nevertheless participates in a certain respect of reason for we praise the reason of the continent and also of the incontinent man and that part of the soul which possesses reason for it rightly excites to the most excellent deeds there appears however to be in them i e both in the continent and incontinent something else naturally contrary to reason which wars against and resists reason for indeed as the paralyzed parts of the body if we wish to move them to the right hand are on the contrary moved to the left thus also it is in the soul for the impulses of the incontinent are in a direction contrary to the dictates of reason in bodies however we see that which is moved contrary to the intention of the will but in the soul we do not see that which is moved contrary to reason though perhaps we ought nevertheless to think that in the soul also there is something opposite to reason which is adverse and proceeds in a direction contrary to it but it is of no consequence in what manner it is different from reason this part however appears as we have said to participate of reason it is obedient therefore to the reason of the continent man and perhaps it is still more obedient to the reason of the temperate and brave man for all things are in concord with his reason it appears therefore that the irrational part is twofold for the vegetable part in no respect participates of reason but the part which desires and in short the orectic part participates in a certain respect of reason so far as they are attentive and obedient to it in this way therefore we say that a man has a regard for or pays attention to his father and his friends and not after the same manner as he has a regard for the mathematical sciences but that the irrational part is in a certain respect obedient to reason admonition and all reproof and exhortation indicate if however it be requisite to say that this part also possesses reason that which possesses reason will be twofold the one indeed properly and in itself but the other resembling a child attentive to his father virtue likewise is distributed according to this difference for we say that of the virtues some are dianoetic or belong to the power which reasons scientifically but others ethical and we denominate indeed wisdom intelligence and prudence dianoetic virtues but liberality and temperance ethical virtues for when we speak concerning the manners of man we do not say that he is wise or intelligent but that he is mild or temperate we likewise praise a wise man according to habit but we call the laudable habits virtues end of book one recording by geoffrey edwards